So as we prepare for the baptism tonight, I preach on baptism. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death. But like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of that henceforth we should not serve sin. So the title of the message tonight, Identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. Identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege we have to open your precious word. Thank you, Father, for um, the instructions and the commands that it gives to us. And Father, we thank you for the salvation that is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for your church. Uh, thank you for your word, and I pray that you help us tonight uh, just to have understanding as to the meaning and the purpose of baptism and, when this, and the signification of it, uh, and to your glory and your honor, we do pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> as we consider this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this, but I think we, we pretty much understand this, of course, to baptize, the word baptize means to dip, to immerse, or fully cover. Uh, even dictionary.com, you know, dictionary, if you look it up at dictionary.com, you'll get other meanings. You know, it can mean to, a, a, to washing away your sin or, you know, or pouring or something like that. But if you, if you go down a little farther, even dictionary.com says the origin is to immerse. The origin of the word is to immerse. And so, and that's what it means. That's the biblical definition. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible says, And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. In Acts chapter 8, verse 38, when Philip baptized the eunuch, they went down, both of them, into the water. Now, I don't know why you'd have to go both into the water or even go either one into the water if you're just going to pour some water on his head or sprinkle some water on his head. Wouldn't be necessary. Why bother him getting wet? Um, so, so baptism is, it means to dip, to immerse. And of course, you know, the teaching concerning baptism tells us that also. It says we are buried with him in baptism. And I think that's pretty, pretty plain. But as we think about baptism tonight, it is really identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we identify in several ways. First of all, it's a testimony or identification. serves as a means of identification for a testimony to his atoning death. If you notice in verse 3 he says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So baptism really then is a public statement that you believe, or I believe, that Jesus Christ died as a sacrifice for my sin. That he died as a sacrifice for my sin. You know, we would believe the testimony of John, 
that he was the Lamb of God, or he is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We believe that what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, uh, we are redeemed with a precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these times for you. So it is to believe that he bore our sins, as Peter tells us in chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So, and of course in First Peter 3.18 he says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Of course that quickened by the Spirit speaks of the resurrection. But he was put to death in the flesh. So it, baptism then is a, is a testimony to his atoning death. It's identifying with his death. That his death, it's acknowledging that it is his death that was a sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice for my sin. So, so it is identifying with the death of Christ. Secondly, it is a public testimony of identification with belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when we say resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're talking about a bodily resurrection. Not a resurrection of some phantom, like the agnostics would teach, or a ghost. No, it was a bodily resurrection. If you notice in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like us Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You know, the resurrection was the thing, or is the thing, that proved that Jesus was the Christ. That he was God in the flesh. God cannot die. The man died. But the Christ did not. It is the mark of distinction that separates Christianity from all other religions of the world. It's the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 1 verse 4, Paul makes that very clear when he says, And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So it's the resurrection of the dead that proves that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. That he was the Son of God. That he was God manifest in the flesh. That he was before Abraham. That he was the I Am. It's the resurrection that proves that. It was the resurrection that was the reason for the persecution of the early church. That was the reason. Look at Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. <clears throat> Verse 62. Matthew 27, 62. I, I guess even, I have to say, the Pharisees were, were afraid that Jesus might do what he said. Now the next day, Matthew 27, 62. Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together on the planet to say, Sir, alive, after three days I will rise again. 
Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come, his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. Go, go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting the watch. So, you know, they, 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 were, they, they knew Jesus said he would rise after three days. And so they were afraid that that would happen. So they set a watch to prevent that from happening. And if you in Acts chapter 4 and verse 2, you know, the disciples had just preached and they'd healed a lame man. Uh, at the, I think it was at the gate, beautiful. And the people were praising God. And because of this, the Sanhedrin came upon them. In Acts chapter 4, it says in verse 1, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of from the dead. You see, the resurrection then proves them a sham and liars and false prophets who should be, according to their law, stoned. That's a great offense. To have to face, especially when you're the rulers of the people. And you see, it's, the resurrection is the cause of this. It's the distinctive mark of Bible Christianity. You know, is it any wonder they so reacted against the church and against the disciples and brought, brought the fury and vengeance of Jewish leaders against the disciples? They, they wanted to eradicate them because they preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrection is the thing that distinguishes us from everyone else. All the religions of the world. They cannot, they cannot speak of a resurrected Savior. But we can't. He is a living Savior. And, and so, you know, baptism then is a public testimony of belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's identifying with his resurrection. And I believe in that. It's a public statement. You, the Jews understood this very clearly. That's why there was such persecution against the Jews. You know, they, when, in the book of Acts, when... when uh, 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 Barnabas sold land and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, you know, because because there was a there was a great uh, persecution against the, the the church and and uh, you know that persecution, if you if you know anything about the Jews, you know even to this day, Orthodox Jews, if a one of the family members gets saved and is baptized, baptism is the key here because baptism speaks of the resurrection of Christ, and is baptized he's immediately cut off from his family. Um, they may even have a funeral service for you, a mock funeral service. And so there was many who were left destitute of the livelihoods because of that situation. So that was why the, that, that 
Barnabas brought that and, and every man had you know, things in common was to meet that need. You see, this, this was baptism then is a public testimony of belief in the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, baptism also is identifying with Christ as a public testimony is a declaration of a crucified life. Notice verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6. Well, let's read verse 4 also. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planned together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So it's a again a public testimony or declaration of a crucified life. You know, think about it. Buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So baptism then is saying, I am burying me. I'm burying me. I'm dying to self. I'm dying to my will, my way, and I'm going to be resurrected to walk in newness of life. I'm going to be resurrected to live for Christ. Not I but Christ. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's saying, you know, Paul said, you know, I'm still living, but I'm not living my will. You remember what Paul's will was? Persecute the church. His will was to persecute the church. But when he got saved, he surrendered his will. He asked, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He surrendered his will. And so now he lived in newness of life, a, a, a new quality of life, a higher form of life. You know, it is saying, I have the life of Christ, which is eternal, which is spiritual, which is righteousness. Living unto righteousness. Notice verse 6 says that we should henceforth not serve sin. You know, we have been given new life in Christ. New life in Christ, abundant and free, the song says. And no longer... Uh, sin has to have dominion over us. And for, for, for example, in verse 11, it says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in its lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So it, baptism is a picture of I'm choosing to bury my own will and resurrecting to live yielded to God. 
in submission to him, in submission to my Lord and Master. Who died for me. And so it is a public testimony identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ, declaring of a crucified that I've crucified my life, myself. I've died to self. Fourthly, identifying with the Lord Jesus through through baptism is also a public testimony of entrance into the church. You notice in verse 5, he says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. The words planted together has the idea of you're uniting with Christ. You're uniting with Christ. Planted together. Now, how do you do that practically? How do I demonstrate that in real life? Unite with Christ. Where is Christ's presence today? Is it not in his churches? It is to unite with his body. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Your baptism is entrance into the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So, you know, 3,000 were baptized and added unto them. Well, who is them? Chapter 1, verse 15. Chapter 1, verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together were 120. You know they had a membership role? The first church? There was 120. At Jerusalem. At Jerusalem. And so when these 3,000 were baptized, they were added unto them. They were added unto them. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? 
But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And the word set means to place for oneself. And so by one, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. In other words, by the leading of the spirit, spirit doesn't baptize anyone. You don't see that in the Bible. Uh, the disciples, Jesus, in fact, Jesus didn't even baptize. The disciples did. John baptized Jesus, and then the disciples baptized. We, we find that in John chapter 4, the disciples baptized. And, 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 and of course, Peter and, and the disciples, you know, some people say, well, I don't know how they would baptize 3,000. How would they immerse 3,000 people in one day? Well, you got 11 pastoral staff. You think that would be a problem? I don't think so. And anyone they chose to appoint to do it, authorized to do it, could do it. I don't see what the problem is, you know. Anyway, uh, no, we are led of the Spirit to be baptized into the body of Christ, which is the church, the local church. doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. You know, there's no wall or middle wall petition, Ephesians tells us. So you know, Jew and Gentile is insignificant in the church. Whether you're bond or free is insignificant in the church. It doesn't matter. There's no respective persons in the church. And, and it says God not hath, God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And, of course, the word set means to place for oneself. Go to verse 27. Drop down to verse 27. And again, in context, this is, this is written to the church of Corinth. And he says to the church of Corinth, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, uh, diversities of tongues, and so on. So, and again, God has set. So God sets or places, you know, the Spirit of God leads us, he convinces us. You know, really what that means is the Spirit of God convinces us. It's the Spirit that convicts us of what is right. When we hear the Word of God, the, the Spirit of God convinces us of what truth is and, then, and leads us to be baptized. He doesn't baptize. He just leads us or convinces us to be baptized. And we're baptized into the body of Christ, which is the church, the local church. We're set there. Uh, Galatians 3.27 says this, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptized into Christ? Again, so where is the presence of Christ? Where is he walking in the midst? It's in his church, his churches. So baptism then is the entrance of door of entrance into the church. It, and, and of course the, the, the church is the body of Christ. We're talking about the local church. It's in, the context there is local. Uh, the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so and we are the body of Christ. So if you're not in a New Testament church, you're not in his body. Or one of his bodies. You're the body, it is the body, the church, that makes the life of Christ visible to the world. You know, it's the body that makes you visible. And it's the body of Christ 
us that make Christ visible to the world. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we see this. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2, says, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Forasmuch as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So he's saying that ye are the church, ye at Corinth are what makes the life of Christ visible to the world. Look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we see this here again. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, I'm I'm sorry, verse 1. Acts 1, 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That means they would be empowered. When they, were, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So Luke says, writing to the office, of all that Jesus began to do. Yeah, he began. And he, he taught his disciples to carry on, to continue the work that Jesus did, declaring the gospel of Jesus, of the resurrected Christ. And so now they are in his place doing what he taught them. So they are the visible manifestation of Christ to the world. By the way, they've been passed that down from generation to generation, and now it's us. Now it's our turn. That's our responsibility. To take the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are the visible, we are a visible manifestation of Christ to the world. We are his ambassadors. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, an ambassador goes in the place of, and we are here in the place of Christ, in his stead, if you will. We're not the vicar of Christ. Neither is the Pope, in whom there's no hope. But we are here. We are the visible manifestation of Christ to the world. His body. He says the church is his body. And so baptism, then, is entrance into the church, the body of Christ. Fifthly, baptism, identifying with Christ in baptism, is to publicly... Stand 
against the world. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. See, baptism is saying, again, that I'm no longer serving self or the world. I have a new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that automatically puts you in opposition to the world. Or automatically makes you an offense to the world. Now, you say, well, that's not right. Maybe not, but that's the way it is. You know, the set of Noah in Hebrews eleven seven, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to saving of his house. So he prepared an ark. What's the big deal? By the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness of my faith. Now I don't think Noah went around saying, you know, you guys are all wrong. You, you guys are just all wrong. That was an offense. Judgment is coming. Uh, And when we identify with Christ, the offense of the world is automatic. It just happens. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 19, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Now, the, the word picture for the word lieth there is like Mia sitting comfortably in her daddy's lap. The world is comfortable in Satan's lap, if you will. And then, for us to reject that, or choose not to follow that way, or say we are, or, or just stand apart, making a clear distinction is an offense. You know, here's, here's worldly thinking. You see, it's, worldly thinking says, it is discrimination for you to say that our lifestyles are sin. So the world says we're discriminating by saying that homosexuality is a sin. But, at the same token, the world will turn around and say, it is not discrimination for us to say that we don't agree with you. Now, is that hypocrisy or am I missing something here? You know, they're, they're saying we are wrong. And we are saying that they are, that they're living in sin. You know, they would probably, now they don't, don't use that terminology, but if they think we're wrong, obviously they think it's a sin for us to say that. But 
we, according to them, are being discriminatory, and they are not. You see, it doesn't offend me when a homosexual says, I think you're wrong. That doesn't offend me. I expect it. But it is offensive when I show them from the Bible that the Bible says that their lifestyle is a sin against God. In fact, the Bible says it's an abomination against God. Not against me. Is it offensive to me? Yes. But it's not an abomination to me. God says it's an abomination to him. So when you choose to follow the Lord, you're publicly taking a stand against the world. It's just automatic. It's just so happened. You know, Jesus, Jesus warned his disciples in John chapter 15 and chapter 16, the world, the world hated me and it will hate you. And in John 16, he, he told them, you know, I tell you these things so that you'll be not offended. In other words, don't be surprised because it will happen. And it did. And it still does. In Hebrews 13, 13, the Bible makes this statement. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. You see, we are an approach to the world. And we see this in public everywhere now today. Uh, in fact, persecution has increased in the last year. Uh, how much did I read? Um, 19% worldwide. And particularly, persecution against women has greatly increased. It's, it's a greater figure. There's the, 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 you know, it used to be more against the men, but now it's becoming more prevalent against women uh, uh, the persecution. Uh, so, so there is. You know, it's a, it's a public. It is a public take a, to take a public stand against the world. It is identifying with Christ. So, you know, baptism is a serious thing. It's a step of faith. It is a step of obedience. God commands us to be baptized, to follow Him in the waters of baptism. We are to deny ourselves and take up his cross daily and follow him. But baptism is a public testimony of dying to ourselves and resurrecting to live, resurrecting to live for the Lord Jesus Christ as that living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which, are, which is our reasonable service, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us. So baptism is a declaration of faith. In 1 Corinthians 15, in verse uh, 1 through 4, again, Paul, writing to the church of Corinth, he says, 1 Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand, which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So baptism is a public declaration identifying by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for my sin. It gives us entrance into his body. 
which is a visible manifestation of the life of Christ here on earth. You have you publicly identified with Christ, publicly identified to walk, declared to walk a newness of life, surrendered your will, buried yourself, your own self, your own will, and resurrected, resurrected to walk in newness of life. You have you identified with the Lord Jesus Christ through the waters of baptism. If you haven't, one of two things. Either you need to or you need to be born again. Of course, you know, it follows salvation. We believe in, of course, believer's baptism. It is a declaration of faith, repentance and faith. And so, so as we consider that tonight, might God help us to and remind us of the importance and the significance of baptism.